0: Welcome, 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 everybody, to Episode 7 of the Best Seats Podcast. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle for providing the music for the show. You can find her at Music on Instagram or AllieCoyleMusic.com. You can find me on Instagram at TheBestSeats, thebestseats TheBestSeats.com, etc., etc., etc. This week's guest is Chef Josh Lozano. He is a sous chef here in Orange County, uh, previously of Toast. Over in Costa Mesa, he was about to jump in at mayor's table um, up at Lido right before COVID-19 broke out. He's done some time in San Diego. He's a very great guy, super experienced chef, um, and just a really, really great kind of view on how COVID-19 has affected the industry. Also touching on kind of how he's surviving during all this, what he's doing to help support his family, um, but also mental health, which is something that was getting a lot of traction as it damn well should. Before COVID-19 broke out, thanks to major efforts um, from some really, really world-renowned chefs, bringing to light kind of some of the things that chefs deal with on a daily basis, the aspect of mental health, treating it, um, and because this is not a nine to five job, how you have to treat it differently than other jobs, but obviously still provide the same amount of care, if not more, because of how underserved some people really are. So it's a really in-depth, kind of candid interview with somebody who is not a chef owner, they're not a celebrity chef. This is just somebody who cooks for a living. Loves it. Adores food. It's an absolute passion. Um, It's tangible in every single syllable of his voice. um, And really a fantastic interview. I met Josh at the very first OC Smoke Kitchen um, that we did to benefit hospitality workers. And ever since then, I wanted to get him on the show. He's a really great guy. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Chef Josh Lozano.
1: Can you yeah.
0: hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks so much for taking the time, brother. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for taking the time. I, I appreciate it. It give, gives me something to do, you know?
0: <laughs> I know. There's only so much we can all do during all this freaking COVID-19 until it goes away. Well, dude, I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, the entire point of kind of doing this podcast as a whole was basically to kind of bridge that gap between members of the industry and kind of the customers that come in or will be coming in again once this is all over, um, just to kind of create more of an understanding between what the industry really is, um, kind of the different aspects of it, everything that goes into it. So for people that may not know you kind of quickly introduce yourself and, and just kind of give a little bit of background on yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name's Josh Lozano. Um, I play with food for a living upon six years, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I love every minute of it. And, you know, I just like to make food for rad people. That's really what
0: it is. So what were you up to before kind of COVID-19 broke out? And then kind of how, well, we'll touch on how you've been busy since. But what were you kind of doing before this all started?
1: Um, I was a sous chef over at um, Coast Kitchen and Bakery in Costa Mesa. And I was in the middle of transitioning um, back to an old job. I got called by an old boss of mine at... um Mayor's table at uh, Lido House uh, down Newport Beach. Um, So I was right in the middle of transitioning from one job to the other when everything went down about, what was that, March 15th, March 16th? Yeah, just
0: just before St. Patty's Day. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep.
0: So you really got caught in the middle of the crossfire on all this?
1: Yeah, I really got caught right in the middle of the crossfire. Um, I applied for unemployment on the last day of it being normal unemployment. The days that I applied, uh, unemployment in California was still getting about 2,200 applications per day. Um, the next day it jumped to 300,000 and then the third day after I applied, it jumped to 600,000. So I, I was literally the last the last in line of the normal the normalcy in California, which is weird.
0: Were you able to qualify and get through? Had the system still allowed it at that point?
1: Yeah, it had still allowed it. Um, I, but the system hadn't been changed to the new, uh, COVID-19 setup. Um, so since I still fell in the normal category, I still had to wait 10 to 14 business days for everything to get processed. So all of my colleagues and buddies who applied for unemployment after I did, uh, they all applied under the new COVID application. So they got their money first, and I'm still sitting there going, what the hell? Where's where's my money at? You know? So you really
0: Um, got hit in a perfect storm. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah,
1: I got hit right in the middle. It it was weird, man.
0: So the first time that I met you was at the very first OC Smoke Kitchen that we did with Heritage Barbecue, set up at Craft House. Um, Obviously, at the time of this recording, we are like a week past. We just did the second one. Rumors of a third one, so fingers crossed for that. How did you get hooked up with Danny and the team there and kind of get roped in? Because all of a sudden, it went from just Danny and Blake talking to all of a sudden, we had this like who's who roster of chefs coming together for that event.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was definitely blessed to be a part of that. Um, I've been friends with Chef Danny for maybe maybe two years now. Um, before I was a sous chef, I used to just bug him on Instagram just with dumb questions, you know, just trying to learn. I mean, I've, I've been hungry my whole career, and I just ask anybody and everybody, and I don't have any shame about asking. Um, so I used to just bug the hell out of him. And through bugging him, uh, we became friends, and um, he invited me to come and help out I really had no idea that it was going to blow up and be as big as it's becoming. Um, At the time, I thought it was just, you know, me, him, and Chef Blake, who I have met at a couple of events um, back when I used to work in restaurants. Um, And then I showed up, and it was this whole thing, and now it's turning into an even bigger thing, which is great. You know, I I, I love being a part of um, the team and being a part of the vision of what uh, Smoke Kitchen is. Doing so, yeah. I've known him for a, I've known him for a long time. He asked me to come and help, and I wanted something to do. I wanted to get out of the house, so that's that's how I got to be a part of the first one.
0: That's awesome, man. So yeah, for those that don't know, you are staying a little bit more busy now, as kind of a bunch of other people are doing. Basically, you've seen bartenders kind of batching their own cocktails and selling them. People are doing baked goods and selling them. I know that you've kind of launched your own version of this, uh, can you kind of delve into that a little bit, kind of explain what it is um, and kind of how you just got started doing it to stay busy during all this?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, so I had planned for two weeks off in between my job transition. Uh, financially, my family and I, you know, we're going to last for that two weeks. And then after that, um, I had to figure something out. Um, I also want to stay Because I think it's important and something I struggle with, um, and I think it's something our industry uh, really struggles with, is I I deal with um, the mental health issues. Um, So mentally, I was prepared, you know, to be with my family and to be out of work for two weeks, so I was okay. But anything that was after that, um, I was getting really nervous. And I, I do deal with insomnia as well, as I'm sure most people in our industry do, especially the ones who work the dinner shift. Um, so, I started thinking about what I could be doing, you know, with my time as opposed to, you know, drinking and becoming more depressed. Um, and someone in my family suggested that you try and make some bread. So, I, I made a couple of wools uh, just for my wife and I, um, handed it out to my family, you know, just for kicks and giggles. They're like, oh, this is amazing, this, this, and this. You should really sell it. And my aunt was super, super pushy about it, uh, which is good, and she was super encouraging. Um, so I launched, you know, a little Instagram account, um, and it just kind of started to snowball into this thing. And I'm not really even 100% sure what it's going to be yet. I'm just enjoying it, you know, for what it is. Um, but, yeah, I have a little... I guess a little bread company. Um, I make seasonal uh, sourdough, as I like to call it. Um, I prefer to call it seasonal sourdough because I get all of my flour from a hedgehog farm up in L.A., uh, and every week they have a different flour that's available. So the recipe for my bowls changes every week depending on what flour I can get. Um, So the flour that is being milled this weekend for sale next week at the farmer's market is not going to be the one that's going to be available in two weeks, you know, because they're constantly milling and and grinding and and growing all of their grains out there. So not everything is always available. Um, So it kind of makes it a little bit special for me. Uh, Not only is bread making super humble to begin with, but having to change your recipe every week, depending on what you get, makes it really, really exciting for me as a cook. Um, and I think it makes it really exciting for the consumer as well. Um, you know, you're getting the best product that's available at that time, you know.
0: Yeah, their products um, and are really this, unbelievable.
1: Oh yeah, Tehachapi is great. And the, the people who work there and the farmers who are a part of that uh, grain project, I mean, they're doing something so special for all of us out here. Um, and I just hope that they, blow up and take over the world, you know? Um, And then this week, uh, as a trial, again, I I just tried it because I wanted to try it, Um, and it's kind of steamrolled into this thing. Uh, We started selling my version of a Basque cheesecake. Um, Technically, it's a burnt Basque cheesecake, which hails from uh, a certain restaurant over in Spain. And I want to clarify, I've never been to this restaurant. I've never uh, eaten a burnt-bath cheesecake. I just found a reliable recipe, and I wanted to try it. And I made it. We had um, a little birthday party at my house for my family, and, and I made it, and the family liked it, and I, re- and I really liked it. I was like, you know what? I'll see if, I'll see if anybody wants to buy it, you know? I didn't think anybody was gonna, but since I launched it, like a day and a half ago um i think i'm close to a dozen cheesecakes already
0: that's awesome
1: and yeah and i you know is just another one of those things it's something that i thought was interesting and i wanted to try it for myself you know and i thought you know, if i think this is interesting you know maybe other people will too and it turns out that they do so
0: Where can people find... So what is the name of it and where can people find... You're doing it all through Instagram, right? Everything is direct messaging if people want to order?
1: Yeah, for right now, um, until I can get a temporary website going, try and figure that out. You know, I'm I'm a cook and I'm trying to do electrical and, you know, marketing. You know, and it's a new... It's a totally new avenue for me. Um, But yeah, so for right now, it's strictly uh, Instagram, uh, direct messaging and Venmo until I can figure out the next step. him is called uprising.oc. Um, right now, yeah, we just have the, the one sourdough and the one cheesecake. We sell it whole or half. Um, and the price will include a free delivery to, uh, the entire Inland Empire. All of OC and all of the beach city. So um, Laguna Beach, Seal Beach, you know, anywhere like that. Um, it's a no contact delivery. So I'll be in touch with you as I'm driving around that day. Um, and then as soon as I drop it off, I'll knock on your door, ring your doorbell, and then I'll walk away super discreetly. And then uh, I'll shoot you a message saying <laughs> I dropped it off. You know, you know, some. You know, different people are nervous about this, so I've got to try to accommodate that.
0: The entire world has turned into one giant game of ding-dong ditch, so it's just everybody rings the doorbell and walks away. I know. It's insane. That's awesome, man. I'm so glad that you're staying busy, and again, it's a lot of cheesecakes, which is awesome. I saw them on Instagram myself right before we recorded this, and they look absolutely unreal. Um, I want to back up to something that... No, they really look good, and anybody who's listening to this, I'll have the link for it in the show notes, so you can bother him. And make him bake all day long so and he will get it done uh, I do want to back up to something that you mentioned on earlier so you said that you struggle with mental health uh, mental health especially in the hospitality industry and the way it's treated um, and kind of talked about and acknowledged as something that's kind of just been emerging maybe the past five to ten years I know that guys yeah. like uh, Fred Moran and Dave McMillan up uh, of Joe beef in Montreal have really been loud advocates for it Dave Chang has been very outspoken about his own mental health it was really something that was starting to get a lot of traction um with so many hospitality workers for the most part and i know that some groups do some groups don't generally not receiving kind of healthcare packages and things like that how do you think right. that and not just for yourself but kind of industry wide has been kind of affected because everybody wants to talk about other oh, restaurants you know they're not selling food they can't pay their employees But there's also a lot of employees that do struggle with mental health because of the rigors of this industry that now cannot get that treatment and the help that they need. Can you touch on kind of your own experience a little bit with that?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, it's definitely a struggle. And I've never been um, professionally diagnosed. I I have a lot of friends who are professionally diagnosed and they do um, go to treatment and they are on medication. And when I talk to them, they're like, yeah, it's, yeah, you, yeah, you should go see somebody. Um, but the nature of the industry being so busy, you know, I just, me personally, I don't have the time. Um, so what I tend to do is I find, um, other people, you know, wherever I'm working or in my close circle, who are also struggling with it. Um, and I kind of talk with them on the bad days and then I make sure all my bosses know, um, you know, my bosses have uh, been very gracious and, and very helpful over the years. Um, but I think I think it is an issue, you know? And uh, I think the mental health is definitely something that needs to be addressed. Something that needs to be addressed louder. You know, And I've had some buddies who uh, some of their doctors have actually canceled appointments with them because of the COVID, and I think that that's a problem. You know, everybody else is getting so creative with the Zoom app or FaceTime, you know, I think that something like that should be available to us um, so that way we still can go to treatment and we still can talk through it with people. You know, um, probably one of the worst things you can do, and unfortunately, all of us who struggle with mental health, um, you just bottle it up. You know, you bottle it up, you shove it down, especially in our industry, you know, because they're, you know, you're staying so busy all the time, you don't really have time to think about it until you're done, you know, in the wee hours of the night. Um you know, and I think people need to be able to talk about it. I think people should talk about it. It is. You know, and that's why I want to bring it up. Cause that's been my biggest challenge is just letting people know. this is a joke for me. You know, and I don't I don't really know what to do about it. You know, I had a rough day today or, or whatever. Um and it's it's really hard to talk about but I think that's what people need to do. I think that you know, if anybody is out there, you know that can help. um, You know, pick up, pick up a Zoom. You know, pick up a FaceTime and call somebody. You know, and usually um, the people who are checking on everyone else are the people who are struggling the most. You know, and that's what's sad. And sometimes the people who seem the happiest are the people who are struggling the most. Um, You can just look at you know people like Robin Williams, um, Mac Miller you know, Chris Farley, uh, the Canadian from back in the 90s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, those those people, they were so the time, full of life, and they brought so much joy to so many people, but um, they were the ones who were struggling the most, and, you know, unfortunately, they didn't have the help that they needed, you know, which is a bummer. Um, but, yeah, I think it's something that should be addressed more. You know, I think, yes, jobs will come back, Not all of them, but jobs will come back, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's always a way to make money, you know, but there's not always somebody to talk to. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There are some resources out there. Um, I know there's a group called Not 9 to 5, um, kind of works on behalf of hospitality and advocating for mental health, uh, sobriety issues, things like that. they're one that I think has tried to stay as active as they can during all of this. But yeah, if you're listening and if, you, if, if anybody is struggling in any way, definitely reach out. Don't handle it alone. There's a lot of people out there, especially during all this. And if you're hospitality and you're dealing with it, uh, I think there's more people out there than you may realize that are more than willing to pick, pick up the phone and, and chat, which is definitely a yeah. tough one. Uh so Absolutely. obviously we're gonna get back to kind of like how there are a lot of jobs. I don't know I think a lot of people assume that we're just gonna go back to normal and I don't think that's gonna be the case. But before all this, it seemed a lot of restaurateurs that I was talking to, you know, chef owners that I would talk to, um, it seemed like people were kind of hurting for cooks. It seemed like the lines were a little light, it was tough out there to find cooks. Would you agree with that? What did it look like on your end before COVID nineteen? Um,
1: I, I would agree with that. Well, I would agree with that partially um in in my experience as as a sue um I was you know first first run on management so I didn't have a whole lot to do with the hiring process um I just got a small glimpse of it a small little taste um and we definitely we had people who came in to apply um but as as one of my colleagues says um, a lot of them were donkeys <laughs> You know, it's just, like we we had people, but we didn't have the quality or the caliber of people that we wanted. Um, we could definitely fill up the back of the house and the front of the house with bodies. You know, that necessarily wasn't the problem. It, you know, it was the skill set or it was the mentality or the personality. Um, you know, that's what we were kind of lacking in, especially in OC. Um, OC really sits in a really interesting demographic. You know, not, not many people come out to fine dining in OC for some reason when, you know, when there's so many great restaurants. I mean, it's definitely not a fine dining in the sense of LA, but there's a lot of high caliber restaurants who are doing some really cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, all the cooks that are in OC don't want to work in OC, so they go to San Diego. Yep. You know, where there's, you know, more of a Michelin base or they go up to L.A. where, you know, there now there's more of a Michelin base up in L.A. Um, so yeah, we definitely struggle for quality in Orange County as opposed to quantity,
0: I feel like. So. Do you think that when this is all over, maybe you'll get the inverse because so many people will be looking for jobs that you'll be able to essentially kind of stack your back of the house a little bit? I mean, obviously some places are closing. The announcements are starting to slowly trickle in of what we all knew was going to happen, which is that COVID was going to take its toll and kill some restaurants. Do you think that once this does come back, that might actually be A benefit if you're a chef looking for work that you'll actually be able to kind of get in with a strong team in the back of a house because so many people will be looking to go back to work
1: you know what i i've I've thought about it and i've I've talked with some buddies about it and um i don't really know exactly how it's going to work because the restaurants that will open up you know some of them are going to call back all of their team um you know i've i've heard some people are going to use this opportunity to kind of Um, pick and choose and get the cream of the crop back. Um, And I just think that once everything goes back to quote unquote normalcy, uh, it's going to be a a really cutthroat industry more so than it already was. You know, now restaurants who don't have a team yet or restaurants that are, like I have a bunch of buddies who are building restaurants right now. Um, So when they start to look to hire they're only gonna want the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not gonna settle for any sort of donkeys and especially because everyone's gonna be clamoring to make money and to survive and to stay open once um all these regulations are listed, you know, you're gonna want the A team all the time, you know. Um so I think I think it's gonna be um a really challenging uh can't think of the word. <laughs> it, it's gonna be hard coming
0: back. Have you stayed in contact with Mayor's Table and the team up there throughout all of this? Because you mentioned you were about to transition to be with that group. Have they stayed in contact or where does that stand?
1: Yeah, no, I've i definitely um I've stayed in contact with um with Mayor's table as well as um a lot of other places too. Um Mayor's table yeah, I've definitely I've stayed in contact with them and there there have been rumors that they're gonna maybe open up Soon, but nothing really set in stone. Um, and the team that was there, the team that I was going to join, um, they're either uh, unemployed or they're working not in the industry anymore. So they haven't even gotten word back either. So I'm just, you know, hopeful that they'll still have room for me on the team. Um, you know, we'll just see what what the world gives me. You know.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. How long? I mean, obviously, again, there's not going to be a set normal as soon as this goes. A couple of chefs I've talked to have said that kind of fast casual is going to really succeed after this. I think what uh, kind of like what Danny's doing with barbecue, with Heritage Barbecue is going to be successful. Mayor's Table is obviously kind of one of those upper echelon fine dining kind of experiences as far as Orange County uh, fine dining is concerned. How long do you think until that industry kind of comes back, like the bourbon steaks of the county and places like that?
1: Um, I think I think that'll come back relatively quick. You know, um, I mean, we we live in Orange County. We're very very affluent, and especially people down Newport Beach. You know, they like to go out. They like to they like to party. They like to hang out. Um, there's there's a lot of young people out there. I mean, just look at you know a couple weeks ago, and everyone what was the last week when everyone went to the beach. You know, everyone's wanting to go out. And I, I do know specifically for Mayor's Table, um, they're the only rooftop bar in Newport Beach. Um, and a lot of people are going to be looking, you know, they miss their, their local watering hole, you know. And I think, I think a place like Mayor's Table, um, it may take a little bit longer, but I think the customer base is out there and the people are willing to spend the money. And because of all these stimulus checks and all this, extra unemployment that people are getting, people are going to want to spend their money, you know, and yeah, why not spend it? Yeah. Why not spend it on, you know, some kick-ass cocktails and some kick-ass food in a kick-ass environment, you know, somewhere like mayor's table. So I, I, I definitely think it's out there for sure.
0: Do you think when people come back and we kind of get that full force of, because I, I do think you're right, whatever the new normal is, even if it's limited guidelines, you know, spaced out seating, half capacity, whatever it is, People are going to come out i think everybody is so sick of it everybody going to the beach has proved it people are going to hit restaurants i think harder than they might be assuming um and not that you guys are going to be in the weeds as much as you would be with a fully stacked you know set of covers for a saturday but pairing kind of the mental health aspect and the conversation about that that was occurring before all this broke down and then jumping right back into whatever the hell the new normal is are you worried that we're going to lose some traction on that mental health argument and that kind of betterment, kind of quality of life in the workplace argument that was happening in hospitality? Is that going to get put on the back burner? Or do you think that that'll be on focus kind of maybe more than ever following this? Um,
1: I, I, I pray to God that it doesn't get put on the back burner. Um, initially, I think it might. I think, you know, initially, once, once all these regulations are lifted, Personally, I think it's going to be like <laughs> my first shift on in uh, fine dining down in San Diego. Um, this is a little side story. Uh, first week, at my first fine dining, um, I started on a Tuesday, and they trained me on all the stations in garniage. There's uh, three parts to garniage, so one, you know, every couple of days. And then uh, Saturday night they threw me on Expo by myself with no shadow, and I think initially that's how this is going to be when everything is lifted. I think those that first weekend, those first couple weekends, everyone's going to go out, and it's just going to be absolute mayhem, you know. And I know all of us cooks, we're all eager to get back in the kitchen, yeah. you know, and we're we're ready to go and we're pumped to go, um, but I do hope that. The owners and all the managers right now are using this time right now um, to focus on how they can help their employees. I know a lot of places are focusing on uh, giving food to their employees. once you know, while they're furloughed, um, and some places are uh, still paying for health benefits for their employees so that um, they can get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope that those owners and those same managers are also using this time for, yeah, once everything goes back and everybody is in the weeds, how can we still take care of that? And how can we still make sure that our employees are, um, you know, mentally healthy and mentally stable. Yeah. Um, you have a mentally healthy person working for you. You're going to have a good work environment and a good work environment means good food, which means happy customers. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not an owner, so I, I, you know, I can't, for them. Um, I'm just, I'm on, I'm on the bottom, on the bottom tier right now. Uh, so I can only, you know, hope and pray. And then, you know, for my team who, you know, works under me, um, or who has worked under me, you know, I can only look out for them and check in on them, you know, as much as I can. Um, and that's really about that, all that I have the power to do right now.
0: Yeah, but without guys like you, the whole thing falls apart. So, dedicated sous chefs and people that are on the line, and the people that, again, unless you got an open concept kitchen that most of your customers may not be seeing, I think are probably some of the more vital people. It's everybody yeah. from the dishwasher to the bar back to the, again, whoever's expediting. It's, it all is one big ass dance to try and make that evening work. So, once we do yeah, get back absolutely. to this, it'll be super, super appreciated. I know that. So, yeah. And if anything, yeah, I, just, I, I hope that people appreciate every aspect of the restaurant more after this, not just kind of the, you know, the chef at the front and maybe the manager in the sommelier or their head bartender. You know, I hope people recognize every single component of what goes into making a restaurant great.
1: A hundred percent. And I think, I think there's been enough noise on social media about that. Um, and then it, and I'm not, I'm not going to get political cause I don't, I don't like to do that and I don't want to do that. But I hope that people, you know, realize um, and appreciate the essential workers that are out there—not just the cooks and the dishwashers, but the farmers, um, all of our purveyors, you know, all of the small boutique companies who give all these restaurants these cool ingredients, or they make these cool, uh, you know, platters and pottery, you know, that the food is plated on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those people who are now deemed essential right cuz 2 months ago they weren't um now they're deemed essential i hope that people have a uh, bigger appreciation for that Yeah, you
0: know fully I, agree
1: i sure do <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know?
0: more than ever yeah
1: yeah but uh, yeah it's not just the cook it's, it's the farmer too you know yeah
0: they're absolutely. out
1: there they're out there every, every day coronavirus or not they they still have to water they still have to plow the field you know they still have to you know turn their fields and and drop seed, and you know they're they're doing it, virus or not, and they're yep. doing it for yep. the benefit yep. of the
0: customer. I know. With everybody else turning into um, sourdough versions of Nancy Silverton, baking their heads off during all this, it has been funny. I, I saw something online the other day. Someone was like, "I can't find eggs anywhere," and then I saw a post from Golden Straw Farms out in uh, Riverside. They're like, we have pallets of 30 eggs and it's like 10 bucks. Just come get it. Just come get it. And yeah, people have to support farmers like that. I, a million percent agree with you on that. Well, Josh, I don't want to, it's, I know. I hope we can pull out of this thing. Okay. (laughs) And sooner rather than later. So. Well, look, man, I don't want to take up any more of your time. You got a ton of deliveries to make, hopefully more deliveries on the way. Um, Obviously, people can find the bread at uprising.oc. Where can people find you if they want to just kind of shoot the shit or thank you and kind of reach out and talk about anything, questions from the show? Where can people find you at?
1: Um, You can find me at Joshua underscore Levitate. Yeah, I think that's it. And it's it's connected to um, Uprising OC you know, they're connected. You can, you
0: can find me on either one. Okay, perfect. And uh, yeah, and for anybody listening, that'll all be in the show notes. We'll have all the links attached to it. Well, Josh, thank you so much for the time, man. Um, I hope that you stay well. I hope that mentally you stay well. Um, I hope your family does okay during all this. And obviously we can hopefully finish this thing soon and get back to whatever our new normal is. So, and see you back on the line soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're probably, um, you know, we're, Cooked. We we make things happen, you know, and and we're we're pretty we're pretty resilient people. So, I'm I'm looking forward to coming back for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate the time. Be well.
1: Cool. Thank you. You be well as well, my friend.
0: All right, man. I will talk to you soon. See you.
1: All right. Bye bye.
0: Thank you so much to Chef Josh Lozano for the time. Um, obviously, he was kind of driving around during some of that, making his deliveries. Uh, so, apologies for some of the audio quality. It is what it is. Again, until COVID 19 lifts and we can kind of nullify at least some of the social distancing, um, it just makes more sense to do these podcasts over the phone or Skype interview, Google Hangout if people have USB microphones, whatever it is. So, again, just take the audio drops with a grain of salt as he was driving around these things do happen but I hope that you enjoyed it Um, thank you to Josh for being so candid and so open about mental health uh, kind of the struggles with it how desperate it is for some people out there Um, and again if you're struggling in any capacity please reach out do not hesitate you are not alone Uh, definitely give not nine to five a look for any of those people I mentioned it during the interview but it's a great resource really run by some fantastic people Um, also, there's a lot of people here in the US, people like Ashton Barry, you can find her on Instagram at The Collectress, um, is really doing some amazing, amazing work. Really just kind of bring to light some of the issues that people face in the hospitality industry. So thank you to Josh again. It uh, really means a world. Everybody out there, stay safe. Promise that we will start doing more of these episodes, not over the phone soon, and hopefully get back to whatever the new normal is as soon as we can. Thanks so much for the time, everybody. Be good. I'll see you soon. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Elisa Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com/slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters? Katie Cassie, Eric Lutz, Serena Warino, Talia Samuels, Cheryl McCarthy. Thank you for your support.